Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Happy 4th of July to everybody here. We hope today is filled with fun and family and food, of course. We know that. And maybe fireworks, if you're lucky, okay? But hopefully you're having a great day. How many know we still live in the greatest country in the entire world? We're still free. We still can worship without persecution. And if you've been anywhere else in the, in the world, you know that not every place is like this. And so on this Independence Day, let's remember what our freedom is about. Our freedom is not here so we can do whatever we want. Our freedom is here so that we can follow God, so we can love him and love others. That's what we're called to do. And so let's take advantage of that freedom in a way that's not selfish, but selfless. So I'm going to challenge you even today, because this Saturday, July 10th, we're going to have serve day. We're joining in with a lot of other, not just our campuses of Our Savior's Church, but all over the the, the country is going to be a national serve day where we're serving our communities. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And this campus, Lafayette campus, is going to go over to the north side of town where we're going to be serving at Harvest Church to clean up that area with Pastor Daniel Kelly and his team. And we're going to beautify that campus, and we're going to go to an elementary school over there and beautify that campus. And we're just going to be the hands and feet. We're free, so we're going to help others see that they can be free through Jesus as well. And so can I encourage you? Come on. Can I encourage you? Sign your family up. My five crazy kids will be there probably painting everything in the world. So please, I need your help, okay? Bring your kids. Bring your family. Make it a great serve day. It's going to take up half of your Saturday, and it's going to be worth it. I'm telling you right now, you could be doing a lot of other things, but there's an investment that's happening there. And so be a part of that. This Saturday, July 10th, Serve Day. You can sign up at oscserveday.com or right there in the back at our Next Steps area. You can join us there. I can't wait to see you there. Well, we're in our Summer of Wisdom series. And for the past several weeks, Pastor Jacob has been really taking us through what it means to have wisdom and to seek wisdom. And if you're here this morning, you I want more wisdom, raise your hand. Come on. If you lie, you fry in church. We all know it, so... We know that, but I'm telling you, we all want more wisdom, but it's not just about knowing it, Pastor Jacob taught us, it's about applying it to our lives. And then we were able to apply it that next week, several weeks ago, when we did Baptism Sunday, where over 140 individuals got water baptized on that Sunday alone. They took that second step. It wasn't the first step. It was the second step in their walk with Jesus. And they began applying that wisdom to their lives. And then last week, if you weren't here, um, can I encourage you? Please go back and listen. Pastor Eugene Reiser had an amazing message. He was here with us, and he taught on the principle of honor. And honor not just towards others, watch this, but honoring God in all that we do. So go back, listen to that, be be a part of that. It is amazing. So I kind of want to continue in that vein, of course, of wisdom. Because this morning, I want to talk about something that all of us need more awareness and more wisdom. And that's one thing. If I'm just going to be honest, and I need help, I think we all need help, awareness and wisdom with our words. With our words. So let's get honest this morning. 
Remember, if you, if you lie, you fry. We all know that, okay? How many of you have ever said something that you wish you could take back, that you regret? Come on, keep your hands up. We all, come on, we're all sinners in here, okay? We all wish we could take it back, where we wish we said something, and it's almost like the words came out, and you, like, wanted to grab them right away. You know, it's like that slow motion where you're, no, yeah, you really wanted to take it back. And I remember as a kid, I was a foolish kid, and, and many of us were foolish in, in being a kid, and I would say words that I didn't understand. And I remember, I, I, I didn't cuss a lot as a kid, but I remember saying my first curse word, and it was my, probably my last curse word, because it was in front of my mother. It wasn't to, oh, no, it wasn't to my mom, but it was in front of her. And I remember if you're old school, you understand this, and you, maybe you grew up where, how many, your mom would threaten to wash your mouth out with soap, right? How many remember that, right? It's like, I'll wash your mouth out with soap. You better not get, and I never understood that. My mom threatened it a lot until finally one day, I said a four-letter word, and she actually washed my mouth, okay? I'll never forget, she brought me over to the sink. It felt like a headlock. It probably wasn't, but it felt like a headlock. And, and she just opened your mouth. I'm not opening my mouth. I'll open your mouth, you know? And she got a bar of Dove soap. I still remember seeing it coming at me, too. And that bar of Dove just wiped all over my tongue. And I remember, I was like, I pulled away, and there was a chunk of soap on my tooth just stuck to it, right? And you can imagine, you're all going, Ugh, you know? My mom was like, you're going to wash your mouth out because don't you dare say those words again. She understood what it was really all about. But even before she washed my mouth out, she would use a phrase to warn us that we were getting close. And it was a phrase that parents you might use now, or maybe you heard it before, and it's these three-letter words, watch your mouth. <laughs> How many hear that? Watch your mouth. You better watch your mouth, right? <laughs> And it's watch your mouth, watch, watch your mouth. And at first, as I was young, I thought it was wash your mouth, but it's not. It's watch your mouth. And it's interesting because I think in today's day, it's not just our kids who need to hear. We need to hear that. We need to speak that. I need to watch my mouth. And it's a warning for us all. And it's a warning in so many respects because King Solomon speaks of this so many times. And remember, the book of Proverbs was written not just to King Solomon's son, but it was written for future generations that as they were growing up, they knew how to live and reign in this life, to not be selfish, but to be selfless and to begin to understand what it means to have and to walk and to apply wisdom. And he gave a warning. And so many times, can I just tell you, we're going to read so many verses that have to do with our words. Because Solomon knew something that we have forgotten. And he's warning, warning, warning. Anyone who reads this, watch your mouth. Here's what he says, Proverbs 13. He said, guard your words and you'll guard your life. But if you don't control your tongue, it will ruin everything. Some of you in here this morning, you know that's true. You know that's true. And the question that you have is, why? Watch this. Why do words hurt so much and why do words heal so much? And we begin to ponder and just go, what is this really all about? In order for us to understand that, listen to me, you always need to look back 
in the word of God, you need to look back when something was first mentioned. It's called the biblical law of first mention. So if you want to know the purity of how it's really supposed to be used in true context, you look at the first time it was used in the Bible. It's called the biblical law of first mention. And so we look back and the question is, what were and who spoke the first words? Because we can look back and we can see the intentionality of those words will help us with our words. And for that, we have to go back to Genesis. We have to go back to the creation of the world. We have to go back to creating of all that we've seen, the creation of you and me. And when we go back there, we see that God is creating in the first two verses, but then he begins to say something. And I hate to spill the beans, but just guess what, guys? We weren't the first ones to speak. God was. God was. And when he spoke in the third, third verse of the first chapter of Genesis, he said these words, let there be light. And all of a sudden, things start happening. And God began to speak out creation. And he began to form things that we see now, that we smell, that we touch. He began to form us. And all of a sudden, we see that God is creating everything by how he is, watch this, speaking. How he is speaking. He spoke everything into existence. And he could have done it any way he wanted to. He could have nodded his head. He could have wiggled his nose. He could have done, he, he could have gone like Harry Potter and got a, a, a wand. He could have done whatever he wanted to, but he didn't. What did he do? He just spoke. He didn't move. He didn't have to make a big gesture. He just spoke. He spoke. There's so much there. I'm telling you right now, God chose to speak things into existence above anything else. And so listen to me. Don't miss this this morning. One of the most obvious ways that we are God-like and created in his image is that we speak too. Think about it for a second. You speak because God spoke first. We are made and created in the image of God. And so therefore we speak as God speaks. So words are a gift from God for a divine purpose. That's why we need to watch our mouths. That's why when we speak, it's a divine thing that is happening. We need words, we need wisdom for our words. Because as James, the half-brother of Jesus knew, here's what he said. He probably spoke some words that were unkind to Jesus when he was growing up. And then he quickly realized his brother was the son of the son of the world, the son of God, the savior of the world. And here's what he says in James chapter three. He says, we all fail in many areas, true, but especially with our words. Can anybody say amen to that this morning? Some of y'all just fail. You, here's what happened. You fail coming into church talking to your wife or your kids. And you're thinking about, ah, oh, I'm gonna help you this morning. God's gonna help you this morning. And he says, yet, if we are able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. Think about that for a second. In every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. And you're going, Pastor Chris, I want that. I want to get there. How do I guard and bridle my words so I can control my life in every way? How do I watch my words? This morning, I want to give you five Five quick ones, not too quick, but kind of quick, okay? Five 
biblical truths, five biblical truths about our words that we need to have wisdom on that you need to know. So I want you to write these down. Then I'm gonna give you one practical step, one practical step to help this week, and then we're gonna close. So this morning, you need to know, number one, write this down. You need to know, we need to know the purpose of words. That words are intentional. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think it's important for us to know the purpose of words? Why do you think it's important for us to know the purpose of words? Because watch this. If you don't know the purpose of something, you end up misusing it and abusing it. Isn't it true? It's an interesting story I read the other day. There's a guy named Alfred Nobel. And Alfred created in 1866 something we know of as dynamite. And when he created it, he created it as something in order to help. Alfred there created dynamite and his joy was that so it would be used to clear large rocks and other obstacles for the purpose of building roads and bridges. And so his purpose of creating dynamite was to help. But years down the road, a few years later, nations began to understand and see what this dynamite could do, and they began using it against one another in wars. And dynamite was not synonymous with removing obstacles so you could build bridges and roads. It became a weapon of warfare for others. And here's what I want you to see this morning. The intentionality of what Alfred was trying to do, the purpose of dynamite was never to hurt. But yet when you don't know the purpose of something, you're always going to abuse it to hurt people. You just will. We're not meaning to. It's unintentional because we're not intentional with our words. Matter of fact, Alfred became so appalled at what was happening, he took his entire fortune and he wanted his legacy to be about peace, so he put all of his fortune toward creating the Nobel Peace Prize. And it's named after him, Alfred Nobel. He wanted his legacy to be synonymous with peace, not the purpose of destruction like it was used for. And so we look at words as the same way. When you look at Genesis in the biblical first mention, we see that God is using it to do what? To create and to connect. God uses words to create and to connect. He's creating everything, but he's not just creating, he's connecting them together. Everything from the land to the water, to the sky, to the earth, to Adam and Eve, he's connecting them in a way. He's weaving it in a beautiful tapestry that we see, and he's only using words. So watch this. We misuse and abuse our words because watch this, we don't understand that when we speak, we're creating and we're connecting just like God is. Or, just like the enemy wants us to do, we're doing the opposite. We're destroying and we're dividing. That's never the purpose of words. That was never God's intentionality of words. And so we were given words to glorify him, to make him bigger and speak like him, words that create and connect. Proverbs 15, four says it this way, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. You remember the tree of life in the Garden of Eden? It was the life of everything there. But then it says right there, but a perverse tongue. You might be going, well, I don't have a perverse tongue, so I'm okay. No, 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 let me explain. 
Because perverse doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means. Perverse means, watch this, it's, it's the opposite of what its intended purpose was for. So it's just using it in the opposite way of its intended purpose. So our words were used to create and connect. But in here, the perverse tongue is crushing the spirit, the verse says. This is why, listen to me, this is why you maybe have heard me say this before, that me and my wife, we share with our five kids and, kids and we train them up at a young age to repeat these words back to us. You can call it cult-like, I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine. But like, I tell them, I say, who created you? And they all know God and they say it, the God. They look at me like that. And I say, why did he create you? It's not good enough to know who, you have to know why. And they all know by the age of three, they're all like, for his glory, dad. We know this, you know. I don't want my kids to lose their purpose in a world that is purposeless. And if we don't know the purpose of our words and what they're intended to do, we will misuse them every time. They're, built, they're made to connect, to create as God has us to reign in life, as Proverbs 1 says. Because from the purpose of words, we can then see, write this down, number two, it's not just the purpose, but it's the power of words, the power of words, that words are directional. Words are directional. Look up here, look at me. There is no, there's no such thing as neutral words. What do you mean, Pastor Chris? There's no such thing as words, listen to me, there's no such thing as words that are all of a sudden just out in the atmosphere neutral. The Bible clearly says, whether you think it meant something or not, oh, they didn't take it that way. You don't know that. Because words are doing something. They're guiding. They're leading. They're directional in everything that we do. Every word that comes out of our mouth is directional words. And they do something. And Proverbs 18 says this. Here's where our words go into two categories. Words kill or words give life. You're going, that's pretty extreme. That, I didn't say it. The Bible says it. Words kill or words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. Guess what? You choose. So we see here, the Bible categorizes our words that go somewhere. And can I just say many times, especially I think as parents, we minimize our words in front. Watch this. Not just to our kids, but in front of our kids. I was having a conversation a while back with my son. He was losing a privilege of something. And I sat him down and I said, hey, buddy, you know, here's what happened. You know, you're losing this privilege. Do, do you understand why you're, why you're losing this? And he just goes, yeah, it's because I'm a bad kid. And I was like, whoa. I didn't say that to him. I didn't say that about him. But it got me and my wife to step back and I looked at my wife and I just said, are we speaking a blessing or a burden over our children? Because our words have power. Our words have power. And we don't even realize it sometimes. We do this oftentimes. Can I speak to the older generation? Because watch this. We do this at times. Our words have power. What we don't understand is we minimize and diminish this next generation more than any other time. Can I just, I'll be honest with you. 
And I, this is not me. I want the Holy Spirit convicting. I don't want to convict you. But here's what happens when you compare your life history with what they go through right now. Is we go, well, I did this. You did that. You're nothing. You're speaking death words over a next generation that is lost and broken. So we can either build them up and give them life and say, you're not lazy. Don't worry about what the world's saying about you. That you're not growing up with a silver spoon in your mouth. You need to earn everything because you are made by God. We're not speaking life. We're going ahead and condemning them because they're not like us. Because they didn't go through what we went through. Because we had it tougher than they had it. You see, that's the issue now. We cannot begin to raise up a next generation in this church, but yet diminish what they go through at the same time. And you can like it or not, that's the way it's going to be because they are the future of the church. And it's huge. Now, I'm convicted because I've done it before too. No, they don't know what we got. They got it easy. They play video games all day. It might be true. I don't need to speak it though because my words are doing something. I can even either steer and guide and direct them towards life or towards death. I love how Joyce Meyer says it. She says it this way. Words are containers for power. You choose what kind of power they carry. You choose what kind of power they carry. You see, it's the reason I get up here and I walk up here and I'm shaking each time. Not because I'm scared, but because I know what I'm about to say could affect someone's life forever. I'm not saying it's my words, it's God's words. And that terrifies me. It's powerful. And it's not just the words we speak to others. Look at me. It's the words you're speaking to yourself too. Did you know you're guiding and directing your own life by the words that you're speaking over yourself? Did you know that you can speak death words over your, your, yourself? Did you know that you bought into a lie when someone told you that you were ugly, you weren't pretty, back when you were 12 years old, and all of a sudden it's hung on to you, and now you have this insecurity in you that you have to get all done in order for people to like who you are? It's the power of words. And it's attached itself to you. And you don't know how to get up. Your bad self-talk is killing you. And many times we don't even know how to correct it. Because this brings me to number three. It brings me to this. It brings us to the pain of words. I could spend a whole sermon on the pain of words. I had two or three people come up to me after each service and talk about the pain of words, how they were bullied, how they were called names how they were picked on. Because words are binding. And this man was in his 60s and he remembers in high school of being picked on. 50 years ago. Words are binding. How many of you still remember those words that were spoken over you? That coach, that teacher, that parent. The words that really, that stuck to you, it bound to you. And you're just going, golly, it hurt me. I remember for me, it was when I was in middle school. I was probably a foolish kid, but I wasn't doing anything crazy. And I remember a gym teacher looked at me and she said, you'll never be anything when you grow up. And that just hit me. In 2010, when I won the Super Bowl, I went back and I showed her the ring and I said, how you like me now? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Okay, totally. 
totally kidding. I wanted to, but I didn't. And here's why. Because a ring doesn't make me who I am. A ring doesn't make me successful. The Super Bowl doesn't make me successful. Accolades, improving people right, won't make me successful. You see, I am a born-again child of God, and my God loves me, and I haven't done anything to earn it. But that pain still sticks. That pain still hurts. Some of you realize it, and it shapes your identity, and it's shaping you because we'd all struggle to see the gravity of our words and the way it affects people around us. And like I said, I could spend a whole sermon breaking down the pain of our words and what it's done to us and done to others. But can I just touch on one briefly? Because this is so big, and this really convicted me this past week and really kind of opened my eyes and I realized how big of a deal this is. Is this, it's the pain of sarcasm. And I'm gonna speak to men right now because I think it's important that you understand this. I love joking around. I love cutting up. It's like locker room talk. You rag on people and then you just turn around and you go, but you know I love you, right? You know? And we carry that from high school into college with your buddies and then you get married and you think that's just cool with your wife. You think it's kind of flirting so you just rag on her, you know? And you just start ragging on her. Then your kids come along and you just rag on your kids and, and you don't, what you don't realize, men, look at me, because I know women do it, but men, I'm looking at you is what you don't realize every time you do that, you're jabbing at them. And it might not hurt in the moment. You might, they might glance it off, but after a few hits, it begins to wear on them. It's like, it's like a paper cut over and over and over and over and over again. Before you know it, there's a gaping wound and you can't close it. And sarcasm, look at me, sarcasm comes out of an insecurity that is projected upon the other person. I'm going to say it again. Sarcasm is, I don't like myself, so I need to put you down in joking way so, that you, so I feel better about myself. Husbands, the way that you joke with your wife and bring things up, watch this, it's killing her, and you don't even know it. Your joking is destroying your marriage. I became, became so convicted of this a few years ago when I read this Proverbs. Check this out. Solomon is saying this thousands of years ago. Proverbs 26. Like a madman who throws flaming darts and deadly arrows, an insane person that is wildly whipping around dangerous weapons, listen to this, is the person who deceives his neighbor and says, hey man, I was only joking. Some of you are just being woken up right now and convicted to the pain of your sarcasm is causing. Sarcasm kills, man. Sarcasm kills. It destroys. It binds up. And I haven't read anywhere in Scripture where God is sarcastic. Now, do I believe them? Pastor Chris, are you saying I can't joke around at all? That's not what I'm saying, Okay. I'm not saying you can't have fun and joke around, but what I'm saying is you can never joke around at the expense of someone else. 
because I don't see God as a father doing that anywhere. I believe God has an amazing sense of humor. I think we do see it in scripture at times, but I think he never, ever, ever, ever lets someone else pay the price so that he can feel better about himself because our God is not insecure. So understand, the pain of our words end up are binding in so many ways and it sticks to us and it shapes us and it molds us and it guides us. But not only are they the pain of words, but if words are painful, then words also can be on the flip side. Words can be healing. And number four, it's the present of words. Words are healing. Proverbs 25, 11 says, like apples of gold in a setting of silver is a word spoken at the right time. Meaning this, words can be a gift of healing to someone else. I, I was... Pastor David and I, we do a lot of counseling, Pastor Jacob. I was sitting with a couple one time and it's interesting, I was just going over their story, what's going on, and as I'm sitting with them, I felt the Holy Spirit speak and it was this, literally. It, it, he told me this, and I'll have these Holy Spirit moments sometimes and he says, tell her you're proud of her. I'm going, I'm not telling her that. <laughs> I don't know her that well, like I don't wanna tell her I'm proud of her, like who am I? I barely know her. It, tell her you're proud of her. Five minutes later, I hear it again. Tell her you're proud of her. I'm like, I'm just gonna be obedient. And so I just said, hey, I don't know if your father's ever told you this. And I know I'm not your dad. But I'm proud of you. And all of a sudden, just, the Holy Spirit fell in that room and there was a breaking that happened. There was a breaking that happened. And she said, I've always wanted to hear that from my parents. And she said, I don't know why I'm crying because it's not my parents, it's you. And I looked at her and I said, it's not me. It's your God. Your God is so proud of you. You see, a word spoken, the spirit of the father is always to heal his children and never to hurt them. And what fell in that room was the spirit of fatherhood that is so, watch this, been missing in our society today. It's the spirit that says, I'm gonna help you in your time of hurting. I'm gonna heal you when you think there's not healing. Because as Solomon says in Proverbs 16, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, in health to the body. Can I just say this? Jesus was so good at this. Matter of fact, there's a story you might be familiar with, the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, where Jesus is marching, he's going through Jericho, and he looks up, and in a tree you have Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector. He was hated by his friends, hated by his people, hated because he collected taxes. And he was there and he just wanted to see a glimpse of Jesus. Jesus walks by, looks up in a tree and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. And Zacchaeus jumps on down. And we see in scripture, in Luke 19, it's very clear that he says, I wanna dine with you at your house. And Zacchaeus says, okay. And all of a sudden in verse eight, it's almost like we fast forward into the story. The movie all of a sudden just jumps ahead. And it says, Zacchaeus stood up. 
And in scripture, we don't see another place where he sat down, so we don't know why he stood up or why he was sitting down. The only thing that we can come to grips with is that he was having an intimate conversation with Jesus. And Jesus was speaking to him. And he was speaking life over him. We don't know the words, but he was speaking to his heart. There was a sweet honeycomb and health to his soul. And Zacchaeus stands up and he says, today, I give everything I have back to them in fourfold that I've taken. And Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and says, today, salvation has come to you and your entire household. See, what happened is Jesus, we don't even know what Jesus spoke, but his words began to move his heart. They were healing to Zacchaeus. Some of you in here, when I began speaking about words and hurtful words, you began thinking about people popping up in mind. The Holy Spirit started to bring up people. Maybe even you got convicted of some words you spoke. And what's interesting enough is I'm gonna tell you this right now, listen to me. Some of the most healing words that you can speak that you need to speak are forgive me. And on the flip side, I forgive you. We all need that. We all need that. Because what you don't release, you'll repeat. I'm going to say it again. What you don't release, you will repeat. Some of you wonder why your words come out in a way that they do. You don't mean to. That's not your intention. You don't want that. You just don't know how to have healing words. Because kind words don't cost much, yet they sure do accomplish much. And number five is this, the product of our words. The product of our words, words are revealing. They'll tell a story. Luke chapter six, Jesus said this, and here's where I'm closing. He says this, what you say flows from what is in your heart. I'm gonna repeat that again, because we don't understand that. Jesus is saying, I don't look at the words. Your words show me what is in your heart. Literally, I was talking with my nine-year-old daughter last night and I was praising her. Sweet girl, you had a great day. You were so helpful to your mother, helpful to your brothers. I'm just so proud of you. I was just, I wanted to just speak life over her, just building her up. I felt like at times I can maybe nitpick and so I'm just speaking life over her. And she said, I said, you don't know why? She said, why, daddy? I said, it's, it's because your heart was in the right place. And I said, and when your heart's in a bad place, I said, it comes out. And she goes, well, how do I know if my heart's in a bad place, Daddy? Do you know? And I said, Daddy always knows when your heart's, where your heart's at. And here's what I told her. I looked at her and I said, sweet girl, I said, if you ever want to know where your heart is at, just watch your, where your words are. Some of us need a self-examination and it's revealing where our words are because where our words are, it shows us what's inside. 
Because at the end of the day, let me show you. Let me show you what this is all about. Because at the end of the day, it's not about what's on the outside, it's about what's on the inside. This is a clear, clear water. But what happens over time and as we grow and as we go along life, people begin to speak lies over us, not even meaning to, words of hate, not words of life. They begin to tear us down. They begin to attach itself. And all of a sudden, these, the lies of the enemy begin to get inside of us. And we don't know how to get rid of them. And all of a sudden, we are tainted. We are destroyed. It is like all of a sudden, anything now that we pour out becomes poured out, becomes nasty and diluted with what is inside of us. And we wonder why we're speaking words of death over people when we're not meaning to. It's because your heart's not right. So where we begin to say, well, I'm just not gonna cuss. Well, I'm just, I'm gonna try to speak better. And you try and you fail because it's not a behavioral issue, it's a heart issue. And we try to correct a heart issue with behavior and it never works. And our words come out in different ways. It comes out in frustration and anger and stress in strife. It comes out in so many different ways. And then we try to pour out goodness on people and what happens? It's just gross. It's tainted. It's broken. Some of you, you remember what was spoken over you at eight years old. And you're still dealing with it. And you're still hurting from it. You remember, watch this, you remember when you're your parents left you. Sometimes we get hurt by more of what's not said, what's not filled up, because someone's going to fill it up with something. And you just, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. And you're going, Pastor Chris, how do I do that? How do I fix this heart issue? How do I fix this? How do I take what is tainted and make it pure again? Can I tell you what not to do? Can I tell you, you can't pick out each and every single lie and try to take it apart. And you're going, what? I can't reach in here. It's in. If I try to separate this die from anything else, it's not going to work. So what do I need to do, Pastor Chris? You don't pick out the lie. You don't pick out the hurt. You don't try to scrape it out. Watch this. You need to drown out the lies with more truth. You see, the only way to get this clean again is that each and every single day we wake up and we say, I know who I am. I'm a born again child of God. I am called by his grace and his glory. I know that I'm more than a conqueror for those who are in Christ Jesus. I know he has good plans for me. I know that he is for me and with me. He's never forsaken me. I know that I have the power of the spirit of the living God living inside of me and he is with me. He is for me. He will never leave me. He is my God, my father, my rock, my everything. And we pour in lies and we pour 
are in the truth and it drowns out everything else. Why? Because more truth will cancel out the lies. And it overtakes us in a way that we cannot get there alone. And instead, we're trying to filter out that which is not good instead of pouring in that which is great. Listen to me. We need to speak out truth over our lives, over others' lives. Speak out truth. You might go, Pastor, I just don't believe it. I didn't ask you to believe it. I asked you to do it. Because when you do it, you then believe it. That's what ends up happening. So watch this. I started this practice a little while ago and it just started to change my life so many ways. You have no idea. Because the voice inside of my head becomes bigger than the voice outside. And I want to speak out. So if the lies were spoken into me, I want to speak out truth over myself. So every morning I try to get up. And I will speak out loud. Listen to me. It's not read it quietly to myself. No, no, no. I am speaking out. Speak out. And here's just something that, that I've wrote. I wrote these down for myself. And you can take them. You can use them, whatever you want. But here's what I wrote down. And I will say it like this. Don't get it twisted by myself in my living room. My kids think I'm crazy. I'll say this. I'm a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of the living God. I walk with confidence and power because my God is with me. I am more than enough. Listen to me. I am more than enough because of him who is in me. I don't, whew, I don't have to prove anything because my God loves me dearly. I am set apart, called, chosen, a royal priesthood, greatly loved by God. My kids and my children will love, follow, and serve the Lord all the days of their life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am equipped and empowered by God to lead and to love. I know and can hear the spirit of the living God. He will lead me today in everything that I do. I won't be led by my flesh, but only by the spirit. I have a father who loves me. He is always there for me. He has named me and given me my identity. I am who he says that I am. My God cares for me, has set me in a family. I know my God's voice and will listen and obey today. I will capture every thought that is not of God and cast it aside. I will be single-minded and focused on him and him alone. And I will bear fruit for the Lord to bring glory to his name in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. It's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is to speak out truth where there's been lies poured in. My challenge to you is to wake up for one week, seven days starting today, wake up in the morning and you begin to confess God's truth over your life. Speak it out. Speak it over your kids, parents. Speak it over your wayward son or daughters. Speak it over your aunts and your uncles. Speak it over your mama and papa. Speak it over people. Speak it over it. Because we have these daily declaration cards you can get our next step area. And they just have those truths that I was just, some of those truths that I was speaking of. And we have 40 IMs of who God has created you to be. But I'm going to encourage you, you can take these, make your own. Because in that, God is doing something. Remember, our words are creating and they're connecting. And where God's first words created, listen to me, 
It was Jesus's last three words that liberated us. And here's what he said in John chapter 19. He said, it is finished. It's finished. You don't have to wonder if you're good enough. You're not. He is. You don't have to wonder where your identity is. It's all in him. You don't have to wonder if you're loved. He already showed you he loved you. You don't have to wonder because the truth is there and the truth will always set you free. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, this would sink into us, Lord. It would saturate our hearts and our minds in a way that we can't even imagine, Lord. That God, there's so much power in your truth. That this morning, God, we speak out the lies, but more importantly, we pour in truth to drown out the lies. We are gonna make your voice louder in our lives than the enemy's voice or even our own flesh voice, God because we know that you love us, you're for us, and you're with us. And Lord, all the hurt, you wanna heal, Lord. All the abandonment, God, you wanna replace with a fatherly figure, the ultimate father. And I thank you for that, God. Where there has been a loss of family, you wanna put family back into the equation, God, so we speak out truth. I pray you give this congregation boldness, God, to take the steps necessary to apply that wisdom to their life, to speak out truth in ways they've never done it before, to not believe the lies of the enemy, but to receive your truth. I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you're with us. God, we know there's so much hurt in this room, so much brokenness, God. I thank you you that you're a father who heals. Heal this morning. And for seven days, God, we commit to reading it. And we're believing that, Lord, at the end of those seven days, things will be different. Our minds and our hearts will be different. It's not about whether we believe it. We believe what your word does to us and through us, God. We thank you, Father. We thank you. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning, the last two minutes, maybe you're in here this morning and you're asking yourself this question, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. I know about God, but I don't know God. Well, this morning, you can know him. It's called being born again. It only happens once, just like your physical birthday. You're only born once. You're only born again spiritually one time. And this morning can be your spiritual birthday. It's not about what you've done. It's about the first step is receiving what he has done. And so this morning, I want to offer it to those who have never done that. You might be going, Pastor Chris, well, I, I, I've been baptized. I've been christened. I've prayed a few prayers. Is that, is that good enough? I read my Bible some. Those are all great things, but that's not what I'm talking about. This is about making a decision to commit your life to Jesus to give him everything, to surrender and to yield to his lordship and his kingship in your life. It's called being born again. The Bible says you cannot enter in or even see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. Maybe you're here this morning going, Pastor Chris, I want to do that. I want to take the first step. I've never been born again. How do I do do that? It's as simple as A, B, C, A. We just admit we're sinners in need of a savior. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. And see, confess him, not just as Savior, but as Lord over our lives. And if that's you in here this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. 
But on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're saying, I want to be included in that prayer. Today, I want to be born again. Would you pray, pray for me, Pastor Chris? No one else is looking. It's just me. I don't want you to care who's around or who's for you or what they might think. This is between you and God. But on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, God brought you here for a purpose. Two, he's calling you home. Three, I want you to raise your hand now. Pastor Chris, include me. One, two, three, four, five. I see you. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Awesome. Eleven. You can put your hands down. Last ten seconds. If you raise your hand once, you don't ever have to raise it again. But if that's you, say, Pastor Chris, I should have raised my hand. I want to be included in those ten. I'll do it now. Anyone else? Eleven. Thank you. Twelve. Awesome. Thirteen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, church, with those hands that were raised, we're all going to repeat this prayer together as a family. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth in a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for all those who prayed that prayer this morning.